Hi, I'm Margie and welcome to the Desert Island Dishes podcast. This is the podcast where every week I ask my guests to choose their seven Desert Island dishes. These range from finding out about the dish that most reminds them of their childhood, the best dish they've ever eaten, and of course, the last dish they would choose to eat before being cast off to the desert island. I hope you're all well and that you've had a lovely week. I asked on Instagram the other day where everyone was listening to their podcasts, and it's so fun to think that you might be listening to desert island dishes on dog walks, or commutes to work, or while you're cooking... And that I might even be helping with the housework, which would make my husband laugh. But thank you to everyone who's left a review so far. If you haven't yet left a five-star review, now's your moment. So I have a lovely episode for you today. Many of you will have seen Gino on TV, but I wonder if you know how he got started and where he came from. I certainly learned a lot, and I just don't think I will ever tire of hearing how people got to where they are today. It goes without saying, there are lots of delicious things in this one. So biscuits or snacks at the ready, let's go. My guest today is Gino De Campo. Born into a large family in Napoli in the south of Italy, he came to London at the age of 19 back in 1995. Gino is often described as the UK's favourite Italian chef. He's a TV regular, a best-selling author, and a successful restaurateur. He has written over 16 cookbooks, holds six Guinness World Records, and was crowned King of the Jungle in the ninth series of I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. He has over 40 restaurants in the UK. He's currently got three television series on our screens at the moment alone, and he's just published a new book, Gino's Italian Adriatic Escape. Welcome, Gino. Hi, what an introduction is that? So first off, I have to ask, as we just heard in the introduction, you are the holder of six Guinness World Records. What are they for? I'm so intrigued. One of them is uh, walking on custard. Walking on custard. I was the only one who was uh, able to walk on custard. We, uh, when I, used to, I used to do a show with Melanie Sykes called uh, uh, Let's Do Lunch with Gina Mel. Yes. And we um, filled this bath full of custard and I actually walked on custard without sinking in oh my goodness yeah. I didn't even know that was possible me neither to be <laughs> honest uh, it's, uh, it's a chemical effect that happens I got a world record by making chocolate truffle I got a world record by putting Christmas jumpers on <laughs> I mean uh, seriously not something that you know something for the CV no it's something for when you get drunk at night and you don't have anything else to say yeah okay you know and then you just go through all the uh, stupid things you've done in your life so gino you grew up in naples in a large family and i know food played an important role early on in your life so let's jump straight into the first desert island dish and that's the dish that most reminds you of your childhood oh i uh, when i was a little boy when my mom used to make a tiramisu. Mm. Uh, you know, in, the, in, in those days, having a sweet treat, it wasn't something like today. You know, we have chocolate and ice cream every day. You know? uh, I remember when my mom used to make tiramisu, it was one of the best day ever. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> because, see, the difference is nowadays when my children want a sweet, you tend to say, okay, only have two or three because you had too many. Tonight, then we're going to have this. Uh, uh, when I used to grow up, because we never had sweets or treats, when my mom made a trio tiramisu, we were allowed 
to eat the lot in oh. one session. Oh, the dream. So that, that reminds me of uh, when I was a little boy. Yeah, that sounds good. I thought you were maybe going to talk about your grandfather because he used to make amazing gnocchi, didn't he? You credit him for wanting to become a chef. Yes. Presumably, I mean, you had a lot of different cousins. Did anyone else go into food or was it just you? You know, uh, g- good question. Nobody's ever asked me this question. 68 to 69 cousins. I'm the only one who's actually gone into the food business. Really? And my grandfather used to be a chef and he used to have restaurants. The only one who's gone into the food business. That's so interesting because it sounded like food and your grandfather, that was sort of a really oh, yeah, big part of your childhood. Remember, when I, when I, uh, I went to the catering college mm. uh, when I was 14, becoming a chef, it wasn't a cool thing to do. No. It was the job like everybody hated, you know, okay. long hours, all the holidays, you're going to have to work in the restaurant. When I remember when I told my father that I wanted to become a chef, the disappointment in his eyes. Really? Yes, because you may as well told him that, I don't know, I didn't, you know, for him wasn't a job. That for him wasn't a job, but that was for him wasn't a career. That's so interesting. You know? And even after when I qualified, then I came to England, I went to France to cook, yeah. Spain, all the other places. Even then wasn't a cool uh, job to have. You know, you, you, when I used to go to dinner party with my uh, wife, uh, you know, what do you do? Oh, I'm a chef. Yeah, okay. That, then he would move on very quick. Oh, no, really? So really, the, what I'm trying to say is only happened about 20 years ago that all of a sudden the cooking, the chefing thing became very popular. Thank you to only one person uh, that, that will be Jamie Oliver mm. uh, because it's no point of criticizing this guy all the time yeah uh, uh, everybody does that that is the easiest way to do it I on the other end I've always said well wait a second if it wasn't for Jamie we wouldn't be here because this guy made cooking very cool mm. and he made me cool yeah <laughs> you know what I mean so yeah. he, he, he's uh, in a sort of funny way it's thanks to him yeah oh You heard it here first. So I read a really honest interview where you describe how your childhood wasn't 100% happy all the time and that there were some difficult times. But from a really young age, you were able to use both food and cooking as an escape. And that seems to be something that you've maintained throughout your life. Would you still say that's true? Yes. My mom and dad used to have this relationship of they used to love and hate each other in the space of a minute. Oh, really? <laughs> Quite fiery. Very, very fiery. I've seen a lot of mozzarella balls flying around the kitchen. <laughs> Actually, that is an image that you will never leave my mind. Literally uh, mozzarella. flying buffalo mozzarella <laughs> with a glass bowl and the water going everywhere. Yeah, yeah. They were very fiery, you know. They used to love each other to death. And I think that intense love uh, took them to, uh, when, they, when they used to fight, they took them to another level of fighting. Never violence, I have to say, but always very dramatic. You know, I've seen aubergine parmigiana <laughs> flying. I've seen a lot of food flying around my, because they always used to fight in the kitchen. Okay, I don't know why, but it was always the kitchen, the the place to fight. So I uh, I used to escape from there by uh, cooking. That was my uh, way to escape. Still now, when I have an argument with my wife, which is not very often, the only way I can escape and completely forget about it is for me to go in the kitchen and do something. 
That's so nice. I think it's amazing, like the different roles that food can play in your life and for it to provide you with that kind of comfort is amazing, isn't it? I I find cooking and food one of the most satisfying, relaxing thing ever. When I'm stressed, there is nothing better for me to start to cook a plate of pasta. Oh, yeah. Uh, You know, everything is better. All of a sudden, everything is good. Yeah, that's so nice. Let's talk about the second desert island dish. And that's the first dish that you learned to cook. I remember like it was yesterday uh, with my grandfather. Yeah. About eight years old, gnocchi, <gasps> potato dumpling. Uh, he used to be great at making that dish. You know, he used to boil the potato, then, you know, flour in there, eggs, salt and pepper. We used to roll them into kind of long sausages and then do all the little pieces uh, for the gnocchi. And we used to make the tomato sauce. Uh, my grandfather used to be a great teacher, which is something that I am not. Oh, do you think? No, I see the the problem that I have is uh, I I think that I do a good job on television. Yeah, I when I show people the enthusiasm and all of that. Yeah, but when I am actually in the kitchen, especially with children. Oh, right. I don't have enough patience. <laughs> he used to have a lot of patience. That is key. You know because. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm like, I already told you that. I, I forget that they're kids. You know, yeah. I do that with my children. And, and was it something when you were cooking with him, did it come really naturally to you? Did you just get it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I used to love to watch him cook yeah. because for me, it was like um, creating something. So it was the artistic side of me coming out. Yeah. Uh-huh. And you went to catering college in Naples yes. at the age of 15. 15, yeah. Where you trained at the Luigi... De Medici. De Medici. Yes. Catering College, my terrible accent, before working in Nice in France and then ending up in Marbella working as a chef in Sylvester Stallone's restaurant. Yes. Tell correct. us a bit about that. I just got um, a call and I was, I was still in school. Uh, the year before, I won uh, the student of the year at okay. the Catering College. And the f- for the first time ever, I came in the U- UK to uh, uh, work in Guildford. So the summer after I got a call, well, the school got a call to say, listen, we, we, we know that there is a guy there that, you know, he, he won all of Italy, the, the student or cook of the year, whatever you call. And he said, we would really like to take him to uh, uh, Spain. There is this big restaurant opening, blah, 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 blah. Sylvester Salone is opening. He wants to do an Italian restaurant. We think it's going to be great to show us how to do some of the Neapolitan Southern Italian dishes. That, that's how it happened. Uh, so cool. I just got on a flight and I went there for the summer. And you were really, you were still really young. I was very point. young. I was uh, 18. <gasps> I was one of the youngest qualified uh, master chefs in Italy. That's amazing. If did, not the youngest one. Yeah. Did you get to hang out with Sylvester Stallone? Uh, we, he came for the opening for three days. Uh, he came to the kitchen to say hi to everybody and to me. And uh, it was great to meet him. You know, for us, it was an idol with Rocky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, great guy. But uh, the best thing about that summer is I met my wife. I know. I was going to ask you that because oh. she was working as a waitress. She was the waitress of the restaurant. Yeah. And you describe how you literally fell in love with each other in the meat fridge. Is that really how it happened? <laughs> wow. You have done your research. Oh, you spoke to my wife. Uh, that is exactly, exactly how it happens. They used to keep the butter in the little trays yeah. uh, in the meat fridge. In the meat fridge, we had a section for butter, milks, eggs, and stuff like that. So uh, they used to keep the butter there. And obviously, I used to go in and out to get the meat. So, you know, you meet once, you meet twice, you meet three times. We first kissed in the meat fridge. Oh, I think cold. weirdly romantic. 
Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, I, I can see better places, but that, that's what it was. See, when I heard that story, I was picturing you sort of really hot from service, like taking breaks in the fridge to cool down, but it was to get the butter. Yeah, she went yeah. to get the butter. Yeah. I went to get her, I don't know. <laughs> because you say that you also think it's romantic because this is a quote from you. It's easy to fall in love in the sun, but if you manage it in the freezing cold, you've really cracked it. Absolutely. <laughs> I think if you can do that in a freezing cold environment, that's me. That, that yeah. is real love. Yeah, I yes. think so. <laughs> Let's talk about the third desert island dish. And that's the best dish you've ever eaten. Oh, well, recently or... Uh... In my life. Ever in your life. Look, there is one dish that never disappoints me when I go back to ho- when I go back home in okay. Naples. Okay. There is one there is one dish only. Okay. And that will be spaghetti bongole mm-hmm. with plants. The best. Is the simplicity of the dish that talking now to you and thinking about the dish, it makes me want spaghetti bongole. Yeah. And that's what the dish does to me. <laughs> it's just simple, you know, a little bit of garlic, a bit of chili, a bit of extra virgin olive oil, you put the clams in there, touch a white wine, the clams opens, get a pasta, put in the sauce, mix everything together on a plate. I mean, that is what Italian food is all about. Yeah. Simple. And do you think, obviously you can, you can have that over here, but do you think the difference is, is is it the ingredients? The clams are not the same. So it's the ingredients and the setting. Uh, Mainly is, the clams okay because you can get the same pasta yeah you can get garlic and chili and all of that you can get good extra virgin olive oil what you cannot get here is the little uh, the, those little uh, clams that you get in the south of italy which are very little and they're full of flavor okay uh, so that's the big uh, so difference that is the big difference mm, okay yeah i really want to eat that you right like now clams? yes oh, <laughs> my daughter she's been eating pasta uh, spaghetti with clams since she was Two and a half. Really? She opens the little clams and then oh. she puts them in and uh, <laughs> she, she loves, loves it. it. <laughs> so it was because of your wife, I believe, that you ended up moving to the UK. Yes. You were just 19 and you started working. She's the one to blame. Yeah. <laughs> you started working at the Orchard Restaurant in Hampstead and then at the Cambio Restaurant in Surrey. At that time, you were dabbling in different things. You started your business importing Italian products. And it was while you were promoting that business that you were spotted by TV executives and you got your first yes. TV break. Yes. Is that how it happened? Wow. You, 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 yes, that's how it happened. Wow. You are good. <laughs> you feel bad about that. I feel bad now about the introduction yeah. <laughs> and thinking we keep it. No, no, she's done her work. She's done her work. Orchard Restaurant. I have, uh, I, thank you for reminding me that. What a wonderful experience I had there. I, uh, I worked there for one year. Now, I'm going to tell you a story that not many people know. When I worked at the Orchard Restaurant in Belsize Terrace, mm. I also used to be George Michael private chef for six months. Really? Yes. <gasps> Sony production used to be just around the corner from Belsize Terrace. That and is George used to come to the restaurant pretty much every lunchtime. He was recording an album called Jesus to a child. Do you remember that? <gasps> yeah, album? of course. When he had the, the first time we saw him with the little goatee beard and the shaved hair and the sunglasses. That is very cool. So basically you had quite a big hand in his album. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say that. No. <laughs> so what's happened? He used to come to the restaurant and uh, at some point he called uh, the owner of the restaurant 
Mario. His name was Mario. He called the owner of the restaurant and said, look, I, I, you know, I can't come all, all the time to the restaurant because I'm recording. I'm to see that. Do you think I can have one of your uh, chefs to come to the studio? He used to eat the same plate of pasta every single time he used to come to what the restaurant. What did he have? Tagliolini. Tagliolini is uh, not the spaghetti. It's like fettuccine, but very thin mm-hmm. with fried courgettes. Ooh. So extra virgin olive oil, uh, a garlic and fried courgettes. And that's what he used Every day. <laughs> pretty much every day. So I went to the studio to cook for him for about um, between four and five months, something like that. And that that's, was the story. That's so cool. And and the TV, had that been part of your plan? Like, was it something... Never, you- ever, ever I wanted to be on television. Really? It, it was my interest to be on television. I don't really watch television. Either. Yeah. No, I never watch television. It's not the kind of thing I do. And so when they approached you, were you sort of instantly yes or... That day, I was supposed to have a day off. Okay. Something happened. I couldn't get a day off. So I had to go to the kitchen. I was in the kitchen cooking. This producer was talking with someone else. And I could see that he was looking at me as I was cooking. The day after, he makes a phone call into the company to say, is there any chance there is a new show on Sky, on the UK TV food called Good Food Live with Jenny Barnett. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said, there is any chance we can get this guy, the guy I saw yesterday, to come and cook Italian foods. So they came to me and I went, no, uh, listen, it's not really my stuff. I, I, I'm not really interested. Oh, come on. Can you do it? Can you do it? Can you do it? Anyway, after a lot of, come on, come on, come on. We, we, I did it uh, a week later, three, four days later. And then it's one show. And then it was another show. And then another show, another show, another show. Then I got approached by Ready Steady Coke. Yes. The BBC. They came around to say, why, why don't you come to Ready Steady Coke? And then from there is Endless cooking shows that's amazing because yeah ready steady cook i think that's a show that actually taught a lot of people how to cook it was sort of a phenomenon wasn't it? yes i mean that for that was the time when uh, james martin uh was there yeah brian turners were there anthony ward thompson of course ansley harris of course was the presenter then uh loads of people that sally salt percy pepper yeah all. yeah all of that all of that <laughs> Right, we're on to possibly the most important question of the day. That is your favorite sandwich. (laughs) That is the most important (laughs) question of the day? It is to me, Gino. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I don't really make myself sandwiches. I'm going to be honest with you. That's okay. Uh, When you say sandwiches, I'm allowed to say panino? Yes, of course. Panino good, right? Yeah. yeah. That will be a panino with mortadella. Not the mortadella you get here, though. Okay. The one in the packets. Yeah, it's very You different. need to go to a proper Italian delicatessen where you get a proper mortadella and I will have a ciabatta bread with five or six slices of mortadella. And that is by far, by miles, the best sandwich ever. Yeah. Yes. That sounds really good. So I've heard you say that the only other careers you considered were medicine and dentistry, but mainly because you got to wear a white coat. But then you realized that you had to study really hard to be successful in those and that in cooking, you also get to wear a white jacket. But I wanted to know, did you seriously consider being a doctor? I uh, went to school to be a doctor. You did? The reason why I started my catering college at 15 and not at 14 when you're supposed to start, because my father forced me to go to uh, to become a doctor. Ah, I see. Uh, it's called Liceo Scientifico in Italian. Okay. Become like a doctor scientist. What he didn't know is that I don't do schools. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't like reading. I don't like uh, 
uh, uh, I don't like to be forced to learn something. I have to like something to be able to learn. It. Yeah. And that was the time, as we said before, it was very disappointing for him to, um, to find out that. Can you imagine for a father to say his son is not want to be a doctor anymore, but he wants to be a cook? Well, you should have seen his face. That, that is interesting because it was his, was it his dad that was? No, the, no, no, no. It was oh, my mother's. Oh, uh, okay. Yes. Okay. You should have seen his face. No. May as well have told him, I, uh, I, I don't know, what's the worst thing a son can tell to a father? Whatever is the worst thing, that was his face. But look at you now. Yes. Well, I remember when <laughs> he saw me the first time on television or I opened the first restaurant, he, he, he then went, uh, you, you were right. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And it's not strictly true to say that you didn't have a plan B because I found an interview where you said that you like to write songs. Is that true? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> are you solely a songwriter or are you also a singer? No, I, um, I like to write songs and write music. I've okay. been playing the guitar for a long time. 20 years. Okay. And I've been writing songs for a long time. I've actually recorded some songs. Have they, and have they been released? No, 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 okay. no, 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 no. I record them for my, uh, uh, to, to see what it sounds like. For my, mainly for my wife. She okay. listens to my song in the car. Oh, that's so nice. She's the only one. <laughs> well, can the public expect that anytime soon? <sighs> it's a very difficult uh, thing to get my head around because what I don't want to happen I, I fear that people will not give me a chance. Do you think? Yes. Just, I fear that people will not put the two things together or they're going to say, oh, uh, what's happened now? All of a sudden wants to be a rock star. No, I don't know. But I do agree that I think people quite like being able to categorize people so they know what you do. And so if you suddenly then come out and say, oh, but actually I also like doing this. But I think that would, I, I know, but would it's love very it. Div- I know, but it's a very difficult thing to, uh, to get your head around. Oh, I feel excited. You know, about now, now, nowadays you can see a lot of singers. I mean, look at Lady Gaga, amazing movie that she just done. Yes. You know, but you, you need to prove yourself. You really need to... I, I, I don't know. Maybe is my, maybe I'm scared. Yeah. Maybe that's is, where the problem is. But it is, is scary doing anything new. Yeah. Maybe I'm scared that I will get criticized and people will tell me I'm not good enough. Nobody wants to be told that they're not good enough to do something. Yeah, you know, we all want to be support, yeah. supported by other people. But listen, uh, one day, maybe. Okay. One day, maybe. exciting and so Gino it's been really interesting reading about your career because for all the highs of which there have been so many that we haven't even touched upon all the things that you've done there have been some lows and from everything I've read do you feel in a strange way those low times were actually the making of you the low times are very important in everybody's life yeah in everybody's career you need to have the low times to appreciate the high times yeah uh, it, it, the secret there is learning from the low times yeah, and accepting the fact that that was bad. You were in a bad time of your life. You did something bad, learn from it and become a better person. Uh, have I got any regrets of my low times? No, absolutely no. Regrets is for... They're pointless. It's, it's pointless. Yeah. Seriously pointless having regrets. If you learn something out of it, 
it's all good. It's all part of life. Yeah. Also, I really like the way you sort of, you talk about everything and it's all out in the open. And I think that's also probably an important part of learning from it. And it's sort of, you're not defined. I wish by... I could talk more about the low times. Uh, the reason why I don't do that is because what I don't want it to happen is to glorify mm. something that is bad. Yeah. Because when you then you are in a position like mine, where you then become successful, what I don't want it to happen is that someone who's listened to my low time, they think, oh, well, if he got away with it, or if he did that, but then he became, oh, that's okay. Yeah. And the problem I have is I need to find, I, I, I really needed someone like you on the other side. I really, I, I can see that you're clever. You know what you're doing and you know, you've done your research well. I need someone clever on the other side who's not going to, glorify something that is bad. So that's a very delicate... Yeah, it's a fine line. It's a fine line. Well, yeah, everything I've read, I don't feel like that's the message at all. I think it just comes across in such a good way. But this is why whenever I see an interview about me, uh, about anything, even if I'm promoting a show or a book, somehow this new journalist, which I I don't think journalist is the right word, this new column fillers. Yeah. See, you are a journalist. You You know what you're doing. This column filler, the only thing that they do is, is, is they mention the low time without any consideration. Yeah. They just do it Which for is, the sake of it. No, it's really irresponsible. Very irresponsible yeah. way to do it. Because if a teenager picks it up and read it, they, they, they need to understand what it's all about. But yeah. they just do it because really, they're not really doing their job. They're idiots. Uh, so, so it's like, yet again, another one. Let's talk about the next Desert Island dish. And that's the dish that you eat the most often. Pasta. I've heard you say that you could have oh. pasta for breakfast, lunch and supper. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Have you ever had it for breakfast? Yes, I had pasta for breakfast. Yeah, not today, but no. I had pasta for, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's there is a leftover penne uh, <laughs> la bolognese. Ooh, is that your go-to? I go to, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I warm them up with a touch of extra virgin olive oil, a bit of parmesan, 8.30 in the morning. Oh, Yes. You are talking my language. Listen, yep. same way you guys have a bacon sandwich of sausage and beans, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll have pasta. I think we should make this like more of a thing. Let's like really bring pasta as a breakfast. A breakfast. Yeah. I like that. I like Let's that. do it. A breakfast okay. pasta. I'm going to design that. Okay. I'm going to design <laughs> you can that. call it the Margie. <laughs> the Margie, yeah, yeah. Although saying that, if you have a spaghetti carbonara, you would call it that a breakfast pasta because it's got eggs, it's got pancetta. That is very it's true. It's got cheese. Yeah, yes. that could be... The Margie Spaghetti. I like it. All right. Okay. As already mentioned, you currently have three different shows on television at the moment alone, which some might say is a bit greedy, Gino. But one of them, of course, is the incredibly successful series, Gino's Italian Adriatic Escape. And that must have been so fun to do. Tell us a little bit about the filming process. Filming process. uh, (laughs) The thing that I get asked most of the time is, oh, did you you really work or you go there for holiday? (laughs) Which is really annoying. Yeah, it's full on. I mean, people do not realize that half an hour of television uh, that I do, uh, how long does it take to yeah. film? The traveling between one location and another, getting all the kids together, going on location, there is always a problem when you go on location, you know, it's raining or the guy's not there or the restaurant is shut or it's very windy, you can't go. There is always something going on when you, uh, uh, where you're out of the studio. Wonderful job. I, I, I love to do my job, but it's hard work. Yeah. It's, it's 10, 12 hours a day. Most of the time we do it in the summer and in Italy it's very hot. Yeah. So you can imagine when, uh, when you see, 
when you see me walking around those beautiful cities, 45 degrees. Oh my goodness. And I've probably done 10 times that walk. <laughs> <laughs> so... Well, I think... Oh, there are worse jobs, yeah, by the way. I'm not saying that this is a... No, but what I was going to say is if people think it's easy, that means you're making it look easy and that's always a good sign, isn't it? Well, my job is to make sure that it looks easy. Yeah. Because otherwise, you on the other end, when you watch me cooking, you think, no way yeah. I'm going to do that. <laughs> I'm going to do that. <laughs> and you are from the West Coast of Italy, but you say in this new book mm. that you feel like the Eastern regions of Italy get overlooked. Why do you think that is? The Adriatic coast of Italy has only became popular uh, as far as non-Italian is concerned in the last 10 years. Okay. Uh, The reason why we got more, we started to get a lot of interest from the Croatian coast. Have you realized in the last 10 years, everybody's talking about going to Croatia? Yeah. (laughs) Obviously, the Croatian coast is opposite the Italian Adriatic coast. Mm -hmm. Italian people, they go there to holiday on the Adriatic. They don't go to the Mediterranean. Okay. The Mediterranean is for tourists. Okay, that's Sorrento, interesting. Amalfi, Capri, the island of Sardinia, Sicily, and all of that. A true Italian will go to Adriatic ah. because they know they're not going to find the tourists. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the best kept secret. So that was my, uh, my aim, to show something different. Yeah, and you must have some amazing stories from all of your travels. I heard a rumor that the crew don't always include you on boozy nights as they want you to be in tip-top form for filming the next day. Is that right? Yeah, I was banned to go out with the crew. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, the thing is, when, uh, when I go out, I go out. So when I go out, I, uh, you know, I go out and I order a bottle of tequila, four okay. or five bottles of wine. Okay. So when I'm out, I'm out. <laughs> I cannot do out, half out, like many people do. It's all or nothing. It's all or nothing. So I got banned by uh, uh, ITV production to take the, uh, the crew out. Okay. I can only do that when the day after is a day off. Yeah. <laughs> and this is, I think you said, your 16th cookbook, which is pretty impressive. Yes. How was the writing of this one compared to one's... Easier. Before? Easier. Easier because we were talking a subject that I never talked before, the Adriatic coast. So it's uh, kind of fun. Were you discovering stuff as... Oh, wow. I, as I was going around, I was discovering new things. I was thinking, this is great. I can write a lot about this. This is probably the easiest book that uh, I wrote in the last five or six years. That's so cool. Yeah. And you're obviously a very busy man. You do a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. And yet rumor has it that you have an afternoon nap every day. Is that true? Yes. <laughs> have you been talking that's... to my wife seriously? <laughs> I mean, I, I love that. I think that's going to be like one of my life goals. But how, do you, how do you fit that in? I sleep in the afternoon every single day of my life. Okay. And how long is this nap? It could be from, um, usually it's about an hour. Nice. Uh, and it can go like yesterday. I had uh, two hours. Oh, because, nice. you know, one thing I have also is a wife that reminds me every single time I go for a nap that I have time to go for a nap. Okay. <laughs> right? Uh, I, I stay up very late at night. Uh, you know, when you have children, I got three children. When you go, it's a busy family. Children. Then I go restaurants and then I write books and then I have to do interview and then I have to go to do television yeah. and then a friend pop in and then a problem comes up and then I buy something that goes, you know, there is always something going on. For me, the best time of the day is nighttime. Okay. That's when you're most productive. Nighttime. I mean, I, after 11 o'clock at night, Best. kids are in bed, <laughs> the phone doesn't ring anymore. 
My wife, she's probably doing something somewhere. I play Sudoku or watching a series. <laughs> I don't watch television. Okay. So there, there's one thing that my wife and I would never do together is watch television. So that's mm-hmm. her time when she goes upstairs to watch television. And I, I hate going to bed and watching television. So I go to bed to sleep. Okay. Right? Yeah. So, that, so most of the time I'm, I'm on my own between 11 and 2 o'clock in the morning. So because I go to bed quite late in the afternoon, about two o'clock, I'll, I'll, I'll go off yeah. for a nap. And that sounds amazing. Let's talk about the sixth desert island dish. And that's your go-to dinner party dish. Oh, usually something that goes in the oven. Okay. I don't make my life difficult. When I have people around, I like to, to enjoy the company. Yeah. So like what, what might that be? Usually I will make things like ossobuco, mm. um, the bilshang, yeah. because I can prepare it. I can cook it in the morning. Osobuco needs to be rested and then needs to be reheated. Brilliant. Or things like lasagna. So you cook them in the morning, resting, reheated. Fantastic. Anything that requires a reheating, yeah. uh, uh, <laughs> that is what I do. Yeah. And would you make a pudding? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I have to say, I'll, I'll, I would make a tiramisu or I'll, I'll make whatever they want. What, Depend who is the guest. What do you think the secret is to a really great tiramisu? Instead of using Marsala wine, use Amaretto liqueur. Mm. much better good tip okay and we have a cookbook corner on desert island dishes sort of like a cookbook hall of fame oh yeah in your collection which is your favorite cookbook i do not have a collection of cookbooks oh really that's interesting i don't so the only ones on your shelves your own (laughs) is that really true is 100 percent true i am not ashamed to say so. no it's not a shame that the only cookbooks that you will find on the shelves in my kitchen or in my office are mine the reason is this. My wife likes to try every single recipe that I do because then she can tell me if I did well or if I did it wrong. Okay. So it's an opportunity <laughs> for her sometimes to pick up a book and try a, a recipe. I do have a book, which is not a cookbook. It's a collection of recipes that my grandfather left me. Oh, amazing. Hand notes. And that is the one... I go back if I got a question about something. Oh, what an amazing thing to have. I know, but unfortunately, it's not big enough to answer all the questions I have. So okay. it's a limited. Uh, uh, yeah, yes. but still so special. Incredible. We're on to the final desert island dish. And that's the last dish you would choose to eat before being cast off to the desert island. Do we ever know where this desert island is? Or is Who knows? You just, don't know where it is? No, just the middle and of And I'm the... on my own? You're on your own. Okay. I would go for, as, a, uh, as an antipasti, as a starter, I would go for a selection of uh, uh, hams and cheeses. Yeah. Uh, you can't get it wrong. No. I mean, you know, beautiful Italian antipasti, you know, fresh bread. That, 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 that doesn't beat, nothing beats that. Then I would have my spaghetti vongole. Come on, you're going to have yeah. to give me my spaghetti <laughs> Of vongole, course, right? yeah. I'm allowed to do Definitely. that? Okay. After my spaghetti vongole, I would go for a selection of seafood, lobster, mussels, large prawns in garlic oil, all stuff like that. Yeah, that's so all, all things I don't eat often enough, but I love scallops, all, all that. I probably can skip desserts. Okay. Yeah. Well, don't, you don't feel obliged to skip it. You can, can I skip desserts yeah. or do I have to? No, you can, whatever. I would post- probably have a beautiful one or two cheeses. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Like a bit of pecorino cheese or something like that. <laughs> and uh, coffee. 
Very nice. I need to have an espresso after I eat, you know, don't... A proper Italian. Oh, proper yeah. Italian espresso. Yes. Okay. Well, that sounds delicious. Thank you so much, Gino. Those were your desert island dishes. Thank you. Pasta for breakfast is going to be big. And as Gino said, how is it any different to a bacon sandwich? Watch this space. <laughs> If you're listening and you haven't yet left a review, please do, as it really does give the show a little boost and is very much appreciated. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to go to the website, desertislanddishes.co, for the full list of episodes, plus the recipes I've created inspired by each episode. And there's loads more beside that. Come and say hi on Instagram at Margie Nomora and tell all your friends. The more, the merrier. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.